And not only did he have a relationship with the government, but he had a role in the FBI. In this world, you look out for number one. Few, if any, people take that oath to the grave. These guys are on the streets, so they're involved in, in hustling. Welcome back to Original Gangsters Podcast. Thank you for joining us. We're excited to uh, host another episode here, and we're continuing to discuss and critique The Irishman. Last week's episode, Scott Bernstein gave his review of the film. He actually saw it earlier, uh, a sneak preview of it before we saw it. Roberto and I, Jimmy Bucciolato, we've had an opportunity to watch the film, and we have Scott here with us. And now we're going to talk about our opinion of the film and and bounce back and forth and see what... um, I think it, I think it's safe to say now we're about a week into when this uh, film uh, dropped for the masses. When right. it, you know it was in a limited theater run for about a month, but you know really the the bulk of the viewing public were able to kind of uh, digest this and consume this uh, in the last week. And I think you know whatever we're going to go on and, and talk about and, and critique or, or analyze, I think that we should start by saying without question. This has been a, uh, in terms of hitting a sweet spot in pop culture, this has been a grand slam for Netflix because whether you love it or you hate it or you're kind of in the middle where, where I kind of lie, uh, there's just, it's, 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 it's in, the, in the conversation right now. Everybody's talking about it. Everyone's tweeting about it. Everyone's posting on Facebook about it. Um, it it's really become a, a nationwide phenomenon. Um, and and in, in in a lot of ways, Jimmy and I have talked about this off the air. This is good for our brand. I mean, it's good for people that Absolutely. write about organized crime because it, it puts it at the uh, at the forefront of discussion. I really think the groundbreaking nature of what's happened here in the last week is how this movie was rolled out, and I think this is a look at the future. And it's not the first time a movie has dropped on a streaming service, uh, you know, at around the same time that you can see it in the theater. That's been happening now for, a, but no, nothing of this magnitude. Yeah, the hype. And the ability to rewatch it, not have to go back and spend $10 or $12 in a theater to go for another viewing. Mm-hmm. You could watch it as much as you want. Right. You can consume it at your leisure. You can stop it, rewind it, put subtitles on it. Um, I think that's really going forward what, what's going to be something that we look back on like 20 years from now and be like, remember the first time you could do this? I will say this, and I, I love... Is it harder I, for you to do I love Al Pacino, obviously. Uh, he's the man, but... Uh, my expectations were low, and so in that sense, I was I was happy with it. I I really thought he was going to be the scent That's of a woman. I, I thought he was going to be the scent yeah. of a woman guy, <laughs> right? And I thought it was going Man. to be that caricature, and uh, and um, and he and he he I, I agree. No. He he didn't he 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 sometimes that came out, Nobody but not as much as I thought. Not as much as he grew. His performance grew on me as the movie went I agree. forward. I At first, I thought he was yeah. playing a caricature no. of himself, playing I'll Jimmy Hoffa. I agree with you. I don't you. want to ruin the movie. I got used to it. it. The Miami meeting with Tony Pro Great and scene. And that really happened. Those two guys deserve Oscar. That's a great scene. That, that, see, that really happened. In the film, they make it look like it happened at some type of like cabana at a country club of some sort. In, real, in reality, it happened at a, at a hotel suite in Miami um, during the 1972 Teamsters presidential election. Um, but they, just like in the film where they end up rolling around on the ground on, you know, at each other's throats, uh, that's what really, really happened. So why don't we talk about this? Because why doesn't Jim, what, Jimmy give a real quick? Uh, uh, yeah, two, three yeah, I, yeah. I, I, I enjoyed the film. Uh, I would say that it's not 
even in my top ten gangster films of Ooh. all time. But I, I did, <laughs> I did enjoy it. Um, uh, I, I, the, the historical inaccuracies didn't bother me as much as I thought they would. I, I, I found the story compelling enough. And um, I think the supporting cast, for me, that really stood out. Uh, Harvey Keitel, um, Ray Romano, and then, of course, Joe Pesci and some of the other examples. I, I The supporting cast really stood out to Joe me. Joe Pesci gave a brilliant yeah, performance. I, 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 I agree. I agree. So and I will say this. It's Ray definitely worth Romano watching. I thought he was good, too. Is It's such a great find by Scorsese. That, you know what I mean? Ray like, Romano's an he, underrated he, he actor. He came yeah. from this comedic background right. or whatever, but... The Big Sick, the he, movie. I'm, I'm digressing movie. a little bit, but in the movie The Big yeah. Sick, which came out I think two summers ago, yeah, he should have got nominated for an Oscar for that yeah. for Best Supporting Actor. Yeah, he's he, amazing. He plays it. He, he plays it straight. There's nothing yeah. jokey about his portrayal of Bill Buffalino. I mean, I think Bill Buffalino in reality was a, was a tougher was a guy. Tougher guy. Then, then, but but there's still there's nothing like comedic about his performance. It's a straight performance. So I really enjoyed it. I thought it was compelling. Uh, Really, my main problem with it is not so much the historical inaccuracies, but I mean, we will talk about that. But my my problem is actually something similar that Scott said last week is the de aging process. <laughs> no, <laughs> well, well, that that too, I, that too. I, I didn't think it was as, as good as a lot of people think it was, but um, or successful. But uh, I think that the that Scorsese is is too ambitious with it. He wants to say he wants to cram every single detail about. Sharon's right. life. A lot of story. And, and, then, and then what happens is though they're too shallow. He doesn't. He doesn't give those stories enough time to breathe. They're lost stories. Because they're he lost wants to story check, lines. This, check them off yeah. his list. Lost plot points. Right. And right. you kind of do yourself a disservice by trying to service so many different. I agree. Uh, avenues of the story. You just got to kind of pick your spots. Right. And I, and I see it. That's a good way of putting it. Going to come now is that on YouTube or on social media, someone's going to make their own cut, and they're going to make it. They're going to make it. Two hours. Yeah. And yeah. they're going to make it real tight. Yeah. You know, that, that's interesting you bring that up because um, I, what, I, what I was thinking is, so if you're a huge Godfather fan like I am of both films, I actually prefer to watch the version. The version I, I like the most is actually not available on Blu-ray, but it's in chronological order and has the uh, deleted scenes yeah. integrated in yeah. the film. Love that. Ba so back to back. It ends up being like seven hours <laughs> if you watch it that way, but I, that's my favorite way to watch it. And um, anyhow, so when you watch deleted scenes from the Godfather film, you're like, these these scenes are fucking awesome. I wish they would have. I wish they would have put these in the you know in the regular version of it. With this movie, I was thinking the opposite. <laughs> Take that out. <laughs> I, I want to watch. I want to watch the edited version of this and not the three hour plus version. No, I'd rather and, see the two Scott hour. Scott said that in his review before we saw it. And, and now some of the film. He was the, right. The filmmakers and the actors are now kind of responding some of the, to some of the criticism criticism about what you know I categorize as lost storylines specifically. Uh, the Peggy storyline, oh, uh, Sharon. That's the most egregious who, example. You know, who, you, you have an Oscar-winning actress that you hired. She literally had seven lines, um, and there was a lot of blowback online uh, crit critiquing that kind of creative decision uh, from the filmmakers. And both Anna Paquin, who was the actress who played Peggy, uh, and and Scorsese himself, and I believe also De Niro, have had to do have had to comment to the media over the last week about why that was. And, you know, their We're kind missing of, it. their company line <laughs> is that, you know, this was an intentional, right. uh, an intentional filmmaking device and that uh, we wanted her to be the, 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 the silent judge and that she was doing all of her acting through her, uh, uh, you know, her, her expressions and 
emoting through uh, her facial expressions as well, opposed to well, acting. I, and I, I didn't see it that way. Maybe if I watch it again, right. but so. No, I didn't see it that way either. I think that's damage control. Yeah, when, yeah, I think so too. When they made Goodfellas in Casino, it was never a follow-up of what happened to. Yeah, you didn't Henry have to defend. That's a good point. You didn't have to defend. Or, or, <laughs> you didn't have to come out uh, defend anything. Or, <laughs> One thing I did like about De Niro's performance, and this is something we, I think we both agree with Pesci, is it was very under, very understated, which is sort of counter to what, like, if you think of Goodfellas or Casino, they're these two larger-than-life gangster characters. In those movies. That hair trigger tempers, right, that, right, right. Who are always raising their voice, and in this performance, Pesci never raised his right, voice. Right, totally opposite. And and I did the the fact that in this film, if you didn't see it, De Niro actually doesn't say very much. But the reason why I appreciated that is that's what a guy like that would really do. Like he's an Irish guy; he's not a made guy. Like if he's rolling with heavyweight Italian mafiosi like keep that, you keep your mouth shut. And he would have been like a soldier. He would have been a guy who is just. You know, and I, I thought that was good because it could have been tempting to go the other way and make him seem like, you know, uh, whatever, uh, Tony Montana or whatever, the Irish. But they didn't. And that well, was more realistic. Well, I will I say, in my opinion, because I've read the books and I've done the research, they built Frank Sheeran up way No, 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 no I, I, I agree with no, that. Not, agree not his with, personality, though. But I agree with you in the fact yeah. that it was better for him to just downplay it yeah. and be yeah. who he was. Well that's what that's what we can talk about the historical part about it is is I think I like I like his portrayal of Sheer and I thought it was because that's how it would, would have been. He would have been a more silent guy. Um but uh, in terms of the history of it I, I just think um it, it's it's inflated. Uh he was a he was a racketeer, a, a union racketeer. And you can listen to some of our other episodes. We've talked about Jimmy Hoffa and Frank Sheeran in a number of our other episodes. We've interviewed people both in the underworld and in law enforcement. And some of our sources doubt that Sheeran was even a hitter. That, right. That he ever there, there even killed FBI anyone. There are FBI agents right now as we speak right. that are uh, networking through their own contacts trying to account for any murders that Sheeran right. uh, committed or was a suspect in, right. let alone yeah. the Hoffa, the Gallo, or right. the Sally that, Bugs murder. That's right. Let me that's ask right. this because you guys right. are um, you know, experts in that realm. I believe right that there's certain guys in certain uh, avenues you can ask that don't even know Frank Sheeran and would say I don't even know who that is. No, I, yeah. think, I think that's I think I've that's never true. even heard that name. That, yeah. That's true. I mean, when we interviewed in one of our other episodes, Michael Francis, I mean, he 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 was very dismissive of uh, you know that that this guy was anybody. Uh, I think he was a uh, racketeer. He was a teamster. He was a teamster. Thug, you know, he was muscle. Well, that, but, but, but right. That's one of fifty guys, yeah. right? I think. I, I think I said this on the last yeah, episode, but right. maybe I didn't. But I think what what is definitely true about the Irishman is that uh, Frank Sheeran was Irish. <laughs> Frank Sheeran was a, <laughs> a teamster. Uh, Frank Sheeran had <laughs> met Jimmy Hoffa before, and Frank Once. and and Frank Sheeran probably did some enforcement work. Uh, within the union for Hoffa, uh, Buffalino, and Bruno. Yeah. Um, yeah. Outside of that, I, I think right. there was a lot of creative you license. He yeah. killed every made guy. He <laughs> yeah. killed Joey Gallo, Paul Castellano. I, I want to throw one. <laughs> he an- killed everybody. I want to throw one anecdote in that I just kind of came across uh, in the last forty-eight hours that I find interesting that actually lends some credibility um, to to the Sheeran story in The Irishman, and that is the uh, the subplot. And I, again, spoiler alert. Um, a subplot about a kind of a, a um, this ring that was given to Sheeran by oh, right. Buffalino. It was Russell kind of a Buffalino. it was kind of a way to initiate uh, Sheeran into the mafia without initiating him into the mafia because he couldn't be initiated into the mafia. No. Uh, and 
Pesci or the Buffalino character gave him a ring that he said, you know, only three people have this ring and only one's Irish, meaning that uh, Buffalino, uh, Bruno, I believe, who right. was the, uh, the the Don in Philadelphia, and uh, Sheeran all shared this gold ring. And I thought that was total BS. Well, so there is a, a Philadelphia mob soldier right now named uh, Vincent Big Vince Filippelli. Uh, he was a, he's been a longtime enforcer uh, for the Bruno Scarfo crime family. And he went on social media yesterday or the day before and said that he was at a meeting with Frank Sheeran back in around 1991 or 1992, where Sheeran was going to meet with um, Phil Pelly's boss at the time, John Stampha, who was running the Philly Mafia in the first part of the 90s. Wow. Um, and Phil Pelly was a part of his uh, security force. And Phil Pelly said in his, in his Facebook post that he noticed that Frank Sheeran had on a gold ring that was similar to the gold ring that you see in the movie. It, so if you're to, if you're going to believe Vince Filippelli, and he, I really have no reason to lie about that. No, he, so I mean, what that proves to me is that Sheeran that he might have been breaking bread with some high-ranking organized crime officials. And he might have just had a piece of jewelry on. Yeah, right. Like, but and I, it had nothing to do I, with especially Russell the, especially the Philly guys. If if he would have been rubbing elbows with with anybody, it would have been those Pennsylvania yeah, guys. Yeah. It would have been Buffalino, Bruno. Well, I heard Stanford, in the I heard in the, I heard it when he came out of prison in the nineties, and this came from. Um, my research in Philadelphia, because I'm also considered a, um, an expert on the Philadelphia Mafia. Go read Mafia Prince, which sure. is the autobiography of, of Crazy Philly and Eddie. But uh, I also worked on an, autobiog uh, an autobiography for Ralph Natale, who became the uh, boss of the Philly Mafia in the 90s. And in, in a lot of ways, Ralph Natale was what the movie was espousing Sheeran to be. Natale was more Sheeran than Sheeran. Natale was a, a troubleshooter in the uh, in the labor unions for Angelo Bruno and was a a confirmed hitman um, and did a lot of what you kind of saw Sheeran doing in the film, but uh, both uh, uh, Leonetti and Ralph Natale talked to me about when Sheeran got out of prison and he made overtures to the people in Philly about kind of getting back in the game and he was swiftly rebuffed. Wow. Mm. Uh, that's yeah. a, that's a, I didn't I don't no, remember he's told, that from no, you. He's yeah. told we don't want Well Ralph Natale Ralph Natale knew him very well because in the 70s labor when Ralph Natale was doing all the troubleshooting for Bruno in the union his counterpart in Pennsylvania was Sheeran doing the same thing for Buffalino. So he was interact so 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 Ralph Natale was in frequent contact with both Sheeran and Hoffa. Jimmy Hoffa was not murdered because of his beef with Tony Provenzano. That really had nothing to do with Jimmy Hoffa being no. murdered. That was a way to get Jimmy Hoffa out into the open to kill him using the uh the the the, the um using the carrot that is you can squash your beef with Tony Pro and get the union back to get him uh you know to 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 get him out uh, but, but to get him out they, to be killed. I say that though, but you believe Tony Jack was but what I'm saying is that the narrative is that Hoffa's beef with Provenzano is what got him killed and that the order came from New Jersey and Provenzano. That's not what happened. No, the order, the order came from Detroit and Chicago. It was then cleared through the commission. And then 
They decided the way to set the murder was up to was, to, to, was to use right. the Provenzano beef as a way to uh, lure Jimmy Hoffa to his death. But they didn't like each other. That, Tony yeah. Pro and Hoffa did not like each other. That's true. But if Jimmy Hoffa not hadn't have been though. threatening the mob, the fact that he was beefing with Tony Provenzano would have never led killed. to his murder. Right. That, wouldn't have, that wasn't enough to get him killed. But the Tony Jack part... That's undisputed. That's un. That's undeniable. Anybody yeah. that has worked this right. case from a federal angle it's knows that the puppeteer, he was the... the puppeteer in this whole thing, was Tony Jackaloni. He was pulling right. all the strings. He was doing. He was organizing all the specifics, all the details, all the logistics. Were all going through Tony Jackaloni and his brother Billy. Right. Um, and Billy Jackaloni doesn't even appear in the film. And he was, if, if you talk to FBI agents that work this case, if they're certain of anything, they're certain that Billy Giacalone was present when Jimmy Hoffa was murdered because Billy Giacalone had shook his FBI surveillance unit in the morning of July 30th at about 1030 and was off the grid, so to speak, during the afternoon when Hoffa disappeared and wasn't picked up by that surveillance unit until around dinner time. And listen to our episode, our Hoffa episode, where we interview uh, oh, federal prosecutor so, no, and thing. FBI no. agents. Hoffa was yeah. going to meet Tony Giacalone, Tony Provenzano, and Lenny Schultz. And, and, and people were late. They no, were, they didn't show up at all. Tony right. Giacalone and Lenny Schultz had brokered this sit-down with Tony Provenzano. Uh, Lenny Schultz owned the South Athletic Club. He was a Jewish mob associate. No, 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 but Tony Pro never was in Michigan. So I'm going to get to that in a second. And, okay. So Lenny Schultz and Tony Giacalone brokered this meeting for Tony Pro. Uh, Giacalone was Hoffa's contact in the mafia, and Lenny Schultz was Hoffa's contact to Giacalone. Uh, Lenny Schultz owned the South Athletic Club, which was Tony Giacalone's headquarters. They uh, were supposed to meet at the Marcus Red Fox, which is about a four-mile drive from the athletic club to uh, the restaurant they were supposed to meet. Tony Giacalone, at the time of the meeting, as well as Lenny Schultz, were both at the South Athletic Club um, with very uh, clear alibis. Tony no, Provenzano you, you, you was in New Jersey. Carl Licata House is key. I believe yeah. that Tony Giacalone assigned his brother, Billy Giacalone, as well as, at that time, a young up-and-coming mob soldier in the Detroit family known as Tony Palazzolo um, to be the Detroit representatives on the hit. I believe that Provenzano sent uh, his main hitman, Sally Bugs Bergoglio, who's portrayed in the film as being a part of the hit team. I believe that's true. And the Andretta brothers um, to be part of the, uh, the, the disposal crew, if you will. Uh, I believe that Chucky O'Brien had possession of Joey Giacalone's car during the afternoon. And his sole job uh, was to deliver the fish that is mentioned in the film, the salmon that had been sent from the West Coast as a present um, to Detroit Teamster executive Bobby Holmes, that uh, O'Brien was given possession of Joey Giacalone's car, told to go deliver that fish to Bobby Holmes in Farmington Hills, and then told to bring the car back to South Athletic Club. Um, he delivered the car back to the South Athletic Club to Tony Giacalone, who then gave the car over to Billy Giacalone, Tony Palazzolo, and Sally Bugs Bergoglio. They left uh, the South Athletic Club at about 2.30. Hoffa's meeting was supposed to be at 2 o'clock. Um, he arrived at 2 o'clock and was very agitated that they were a half hour late. At some time between 2.30 and 2.45, I believe that the car, the 75 Mercury Marquis, being driven most likely by Tony Palazzolo with Billy Giacalone in the passenger seat and Sally Bergoglio in the back, um, scooped Hoffa at the Red Fox. What Billy do you mean scoop? 
What makes him get in that car? Because Billy Giacalone probably told Tony Jack or Billy Giacalone probably told Jimmy Hoffa, "Hey, Jimmy, uh, the move, uh, the meeting has been moved. We're going up the street to Carlo Licata's house, which was a house that Hoffa had been familiar with. It was a house that Hoffa had met the Giacalones at uh, on a number of occasions for sit downs to discuss union business, like this meeting was was being set to do. Um, he would have felt comfortable. So that wasn't out of the ordinary, right?" He would have felt comfortable going with Billy Giacalone to go see Tony because Billy was Tony's right-hand man. But you never, you don't believe that this house that's in question ever existed. No, I believe it existed. No, it's, it's there. They have. I mean, they've yeah, gone the to Beaverland the house. house is, they did DNA testing. Yeah, I just don't think that was. No, yeah, that wasn't a house that, that house, they were used. Yeah, I mean, th- some you can go find blood on the floorboards of a lot of houses. Someone could have cut their uh, finger shaving. And and just again, this is something we've talked about in other episodes, but. Uh, with people who who were intimately familiar with the investigation, that it just doesn't it doesn't make sense that Hoffa would agree to drive that far yeah, about 20, to a house 20, that 20, he, has, he has no idea whose oh, house is this? That, where that is that house? Is in Redford? No, it's on like seven, and, like seven in Evergreen. So that's about a 15 minute 20, drive. 15, 20 minute drive. Yeah, depending on traffic. Yeah, there's just and, and we don't know who owns the house. Right, they can't we even don't even Sharon can't source the house. Right. He right. says we heard it was a guy that guy knew a guy who knew a guy who was going out of town. Like right, they and I, I just offer there's no way he would do that. Whereas. And the Lakata house was literally a two-minute drive right. from the Red Fox. It was a house that he had met the Jackalones before at. Years right. later. So they take him to Carlo Lakata's no, house. What happened to the Lakata yeah. house years later? So they take him to the Carlo Lakata's house. I believe they kill him at Carlo Lakata's house, put him in the trunk of the Mercury Marquis, and then deliver him to one of the sanitation companies um, in Detroit that was owned by the mafia, now, where was he was it, incinerated. Now, was fa- it sanitation or was it a? Uh, Funeral home. They were both. They had access to both, but yeah. most likely, I think Probably he was sanitation. taken either to Tri County Sanitation, which was owned by Carlo Licata and Joe Barbera, who we just mentioned, or Central Sanitation, which was owned by uh, Peter Vazi Vitali and Jimmy Quasarano, which was in Hamtramck. Which was in Hamtramck, and Tony Palazzolo, who I believe was driving the car, was Vazi Vitali's protege driver bodyguard. So I believe now, that's why uh, he was in on the hit. Weird thing that movie that people don't realize is that. The Chucky O'Brien character, it, he's in belief that they don't ex- going to go in the house. They don't explain. They don't explain. They don't explain that at all in the film. Yeah, yeah. How, completely out of context. You know what I'm saying? They're going to work out their problems and then. So what did Sheeran tell? Gone. So what did Sheeran tell him when, when he, he came back, back to the out. car? They right. don't tell you that. Yeah, they're they're, they're just going right. to be there a while. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Someone else will drive him home. He would Chucky would right. But that just so I, make sense. so what Roberto was alleged uh, alluding to was on right. the on the six year anniversary of Hoffa's disappearance on July thirtieth, nineteen eighty one. Carlo Licata ended up dead at that house under very suspicious circumstances, um, almost to the minute. Hoffa was most likely killed at about three o'clock, and Licata ended up and, dead. And a mile distance, less than a mile distance from that from where that from from the last place that Hoffa was was seen. And Lakata ended up dead at that house with a gunshot wound to the chest, with a gun resting on a dresser about 15 feet away from the body without any fingerprints. And Carlo Lakata was married into the Toko family. He was a brother-in-law of Jack and Tony Toko. Uh, Jack Toko, at the time of Hoffa's disappearance, was the acting boss of the Detroit Mafia. I mean, one thing that I think the film did a good job of, though, is, is it, in terms of trying to understand... Why he was killed? Well, the one thing that did get their attention uh, was not, not the beef with Tony Pro, but 
when Hoffa did go on television and talk about how Fitzsimmons was mobbed up, and he, Jimmy Hoffa, if you put me he back was, in charge, I'll clean up the union. That got their attention. He was, and they openly, didn't like that. He was openly campaigning in the uh, <laughs> right. in the national media that he was going to go take the Teamsters back and cleanse it of mob influence. Right, right. The irony being that he let the mob in right. the front door that, in the first place. That part place. was true, and that oh, so that was would, his that would get you man. killed. Well, and I'll tell you what also fast tracked the murder was the July 10th bombing of the Fitzsimmons car at Nemo's right. uh, down by Old Tiger and Stadium. I will give credit to that. They did, they did show yeah. that and they were yeah. truthful yeah. to that. Even though they didn't film it right. there, but they did show it. Wasn't. But no. No, they didn't film no. any of it in Detroit. They, they built a soundstage in ah, Long Island and yeah, they lame. filmed it all in New York. Ah. They didn't want to come to Detroit to film it because they knew there'd be people like myself and other members of the media that would be questioning the story they were telling. They didn't even want to deal with it. But um, I, I think that the fact that – and there's, there's multiple schools of thought on that bombing. There are some people that think that Hoffa actually didn't do that bombing, that the bombing was actually perpetrated by the Teamsters themselves to make it look like Hoffa had completely gone off the reservation and was declaring war on the mafia by trying to kill the Fitzsimmonses. And then there's other people that believe Hoffa was so upset and angry at the Fitzsimmonses that he actually tried to kill the Fitzsimmonses. Well, well, but was it that hot? Yeah, you, yeah, it was. No, yeah, it was. Yeah, it was. Yeah. If you read Dan Muldea's book, the the uh, Hoffa Wars, it's a very good book. Um, even though I disagree with some things, uh, he's a great reporter. Um, you, it, it was worse than that. I mean, that, that's all we see in the film. There were guys, there were guys getting beat, getting there beat, beat up. downs. Um, there was blowing an, up trucks. There was an entire arson. anti-Hoffa goon squad right. that was started and financed by the Teamsters in the last year of Jimmy's Hoffa, Jimmy Hoffa's life. That sole job on a day-to-day basis was to dissuade Hoffa from running for the presidency by intimidation and, uh, you know, thuggish tactics. Yeah, intimidating his supporters because he yeah. had a lot of support on he, the street. They also show him blowing up Dave Johnson's boat uh, uh, in Grozeal. Right. They show that in the film. Do you know? Do you want to know who was a character in the film that was a legend? That's really kind of a sleeper in mob history. Was the Bobby Cannavale character Felix Skinny Razor de Tullio, who mentored Nicky Scarfo. He mentored Ralph Natale. He allegedly yeah, mentored Frank Sheeran. Yeah, um, so he mentored two Philadelphia mob bosses. He's one of these guys that, if he would have lived, he died at a pretty young age. Um, a relatively young age. I think he died in his 50s of, uh, of lung cancer. But if he would have lived, he would have probably been a boss. He probably would have been Angelo Bruno's successor. Well, one thing I want, I want to just about the Hoffa situation, though, is I think when Hoffa did talk about cleaning the Teamsters up, and he did, I agree with Scott that, that there was some – he was disingenuous some to a certain irony. extent. It, it, right, there was some irony and, and, some disin, and he was disingenuous. But I think, I think Hoffa – I think he believed that. I mean, you know, people can you can believe convince yourself of a lot of things. That's all he cared and think, about. And I think taking when it, back the when union was him, right. power was 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 right. was all Jimmy Hoffa cared about. It was I the beginning, the middle, and the right. end right. of the Jimmy Hoffa story right. was how to acquire power, how to keep power, and then how to wield that power like a blunt instrument. So when it suited his purposes, he was he was anti mob and talked about cleaning yeah. cleaning up the union because. That that's not where his he wasn't in that camp. And at when that you put point. when you put the shoe on the other foot, it's the same way. Over the uh, over the decades uh, of the American labor movement, the mob has been pro labor and has been anti labor. It's all it all matters of where the money is. Right. But I would I would say for Hoffa though, I mean, just a, a defense of him. I'm not saying he was a, a good guy, but he was a tough guy and he was a 
powerful and and could be an independent person. And I think there is truth in the movie. Uh, they could push Fitzsimmons around in ways they couldn't put, push Hoffa yeah, that's, around. That's, un- and that, and that's, that's true. unequivocally that, that, true. Right, and that doesn't mean he's a good guy. But there's there's and that's definitely true. That so there's Fitzsimmons no was, that was a pushover to those guys in ways that Hoffa no, would I not agree, have been. They could that. puppet Fitzsimmons. Yes, where they couldn't that do that with Jimmy. Hoffa, he couldn't believe in himself and, 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 and go against the mafia because he was the only thing that was at that level strong enough. Well, because he had popular support with the and, members, and, and I think in some in some ways to make this, you know, to go a little micro on this and, and, and talk about Detroit, I think one of the, his fatal flaws, one of Jimmy Hoffa's fatal flaws in his thinking and his mind uh, in his thought process, I think he thought that the Detroit family had his back. Probably, I yeah. think he thought the Jackalones were somehow supporting him. Uh, when they were trying to broker this meeting that really right, wasn't right. a meeting with Tony Provenzano, but, when but, when in fact was but, part of the murder but conspiracy. You think they were telling him that to make him believe it. Of course they were. Right. Yes, they were saying, "Jimmy, don't worry, we'll smooth it over well, with Pro. We got, we, yeah, yeah, oh, you yeah. deserve to get the union back, and we're gonna make sure we can do everything to to, to help but that I, happen." But I think I th- there's in terms of like him uh, flirting with disaster here. I think part of it was some hubris. I think I think Hoffa. Did think in many ways, I'm Jimmy Hoffa. There's no way they would ever consider whacking me because I'm too high profile. I have too much support, and that was hubris on his part and a fatal miscalculation. Well, wasn't that crazy? It, 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 so it's 1970. Okay, let's say it's the 73, it's 74, it's 75. I think he thought even if the he, e, even, he thought even if the East Side mob knew. contingent wants to kill me, the Midwest right. mob contingent is going to stop it. He mm. knew that the president had been killed. Yeah. Right. And uh, nobody knew it. But that's but that's that's what I mean by hubris. I mean, I think it was. I mean, Hoffa thought no one's bigger than Jimmy Hoffa, and, and even even the the Kennedy as far as far as Hoffa can, if you would have asked Jimmy Hoffa, he would have said it's more likely they'll kill Kennedy than me because I'm Jimmy fucking Hoffa. Yeah. I mean, he believed. I mean, he had. He had well, I also think. I also think he thought. <laughs> That there would be some if, if that if they did murder him, there'd be some type of revolt in the Teamsters rank yeah. and file. Yeah, right. Kind of the way that Trump but right now, now is telling everyone that if he gets uh, out of office, there'll be a civil war of some right. sort. I think right. there was uh, uh, something analogous going on there with, with Hoffa's thinking. But that you guys are the experts on it. How how bad was it that you know when when Kennedy got assassinated that. That's true too. That that Hoffa made sure that none of the flags at any Teamsters locals right, were right. flying at half mast. That is yeah, true. That's, now, that's true. He went up personally. He hated he the Kennedy. Yeah. yeah, he did. And he, and I heard that he, he was pissed when he found out that other locals yeah, he were was calling. Yeah, he was calling them all, saying he, he flew that at full staff. Yeah, the yeah. Whole, every every, every, every Teamster Teamsters local. local in the country. Wow. They, yeah, the night true. that Hoffa, the night that Hoffa, the night that Kennedy was killed, uh, they were all getting together toasting. I mean, they were they were having a party. As, as a matter of fact, the film I think actually doesn't quite capture that, that, that because there's a moment where where Pacino's where he's where he seems like oh geez they killed yeah. the president. That was not in reality. They were popping. He was, do, he was doing cartwheels. <laughs> right. He goes back and sits and yeah. eats his no, fucking no, ice cream. No, in real life, he was like that motherfucker got, yeah. what, he got what he deserved right from the beginning. And uh, yeah, you want to talk about playing? You want to talk about playing with fire? Talk about playing with fire? Yes. You want to talk about playing with fire? You're John F. Kennedy. You, you know have, that you get you into the president for a favor. You and, get into and, the presidency. And when that favor is given to you. You then turn your t- you right. you turn on the mafia that got you put into office, and you take your brother and you tell you them to go after them. Also, the, uh, part of that because Joe Kennedy was a guy who who was sketchy. 
Uh, part of Bobby Kennedy's crusade against organized crime was his own personal psychological thing to cleanse yeah. the sins of the, the father. The Kennedy of the, the Kennedy the, family. That's of, right. No, yeah. no, it was. He was he he was conscious because, of that. Well, the empire was started by by you know bootlegging, bootlegging money. Yeah. So that was part of his thing was to cleanse the family of um, and you know it was again fatal miscalculation and for Joe, his brother. But. Joe Kennedy, you know, according to Underworld lore. I mean, Detroit, Joe Kennedy had a huge beef with the Purple Gang over some hijacked liquor that Al Capone had to set some type of sit-down between the Detroit mob, the Purple Gang, and the Chicago mob and Joe Kennedy to prevent the Chicago and Detroit mobsters from killing Joe Kennedy. This would have been, like, back in 2019. And I don't don't want to go down the the rabbit hole on this, but Bobby Kennedy also had, you know, he's considered sort of the saintly figure and, you know, whatever, but... He also had political motivations for going after Hoff and the Teamsters was he wanted to seize control of the Democratic Party and put it back in the hands of the Northeastern elites yeah. and not Lyndon Johnson and the Sunbelt guys or the Teamsters in the Midwest. Right. So that was part of it. Right. It wasn't all just like crusade, you know, anti-crime you know, crusade. Was, and that's true. What I read up was that within days of Nixon uh, being out of office, He's playing golf with Vince Simmons. Tony, Tony Pro. Pro. That's Tony true. Pro. Pro. Yeah, that's playing, true. <laughs> the president was playing yeah. golf with Tony Pro Vinzano. Yeah, that's that. Fun. That part is true too. Yeah, <laughs> but I, I would say something about Hoffa though. He needed the he needed the support of the Teamsters in the '72 election, and as you know, most you know, labor is not Republican. Right, right. I mean, it was. I mean, then because Hoffa hated the Kennedys so much, yeah. they did endorse Republicans at the time. Even even Reagan, they they flirted yeah. with in the '80s. But um, do you know who? Do you know who also was? Uh, Doing business with our current U.S. president, no. uh, the character in the film that was played by the actor Dominic Lombardozzi, who was playing Fat OG, Tony, Fat no, OG. Fat Tony Salerno, no. <laughs> who you see as as the as fun. kind of the, the 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 shot caller in the New York Mafia right. for the commission, uh, when when Donald Trump was doing all of his building in Atlantic City and yeah, a lot of and a lot of his uh, building of, of skyscrapers in New York. You know who was he? Who was pouring the concrete? Who was doing the the contracting? It was all companies controlled by Fat Tony Salerno. And wasn't I, and I respected the fact that they re, they remade the Palma Boys. Boys. No, I love. heard that they they. they I love. No, that. I heard that they. I know what that was. They man. went to it. They actually went Harlem. to the old Palma yeah. Boys. Uh, yeah, that's pretty cool. And they recreated it at yeah. the actual location. That is awesome. But I, I want to go back to Hoffa's uh, flirting with disaster here. Um, I, I'm not trying to romanticize his, his decision making, which was fatal, but. I also think that there there was, and I, I think they captured this in this film, and I and I agree that there was this kind of philosophical uh, component to Hoffa's decision, which is Hoffa was the kind of guy, in my opinion, who was, um, if you're saying that my choice is I'm going to retire and go to Florida and play golf and get old and have to give up my union, you better fucking kill me. I would I would rather die. Yeah. No, he, I would rather die. Exactly. You hit it on the head. And I and I to die I think I think he I think he re- he was like you might as well kill me then because it ain't go it ain't going out like that. Remember yeah, the Cypress Hill song? I ain't going out like that. He cared time. about that union more yes. than he cared about his wife, more than he cared yes. about his, yeah. his grandkids, right. more than he cared about his own personal well being. No, he did. I, I think that was that true. Was like he his was chi- like, it was his child. He he, he knew, I think he knew the people he was he was uh, you know had this beef with were dangerous people. But I think he's like you know what, if it's gonna come down to that you you might as well fucking kill him. And because there's no, I'm I'm not giving up the no, union. How bad would you feel if, if you have Fitzsimmons? And by the way, wait. By the way, there's no question yeah. that if he gets to the 1976 Teamsters presidential election yeah. that he's winning he in wins. a landslide. Yeah, he wins. Really? Oh yeah, yeah for sure. What are the things that you watch even 
suspending disbelief that you just couldn't. Well, he didn't kill Joey Gallo. <laughs> he didn't, he I'm didn't, sorry yeah, to interrupt right. you, he but didn't, he didn't. <laughs> kill, that is the biggest one. He didn't that kill Sally. He didn't one. kill Sally Bugs. <laughs> right. He didn't right. kill Jimmy Hoffa. That's the biggest. The, one, the right? Joey Gallo Colombo thing had nothing to do with Russell no, Buffalino no. or Frank Sheeran. And everyone knows that came from Carmen DiBiase. I mean, right. That, it, right. Anyone that, is, well, that, that well studied known. that case or from a, a, a law enforcement angle, the main suspect in that case since it happened was Carmen DiBiase. They called Sonny Pinto. Who was never yeah, there, actually? There were, uh, there were eyewitnesses in the in the yeah. Umberto's clam house. That I mean, that, that that's that that's not true at all. And and it, that that feud did not concern Russell Buffalino or Frank Sheeran at all. It's no, complete I, 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 and no, nothing that, to do with that what had they to do doing. with Joe Gallo trying to or killing yeah. Joe Colombo right. and declaring war on Profaci right. a decade before that. Right. right. So let me understand this: so that Joe uh, Joey Gallo when he was inside. Made friends with Nikki Barnes. Uh, Barnes. That's true. That yeah, that's and true. And he started to recruit black, black and Hispanic gangsters for his crew. Yeah, which upset a lot of people. And that was the that and the black and, and the guy that killed Joe Colombo was a member of that uh, Harlem so drug dealing it. contingent. It wasn't about him going out the Russell No, that's yeah. not. I, oh, you're pin. I, 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 I don't think I don't I, I don't I'm not aware of Buffalino and Joey Gallo ever having any interaction personal. Interaction. Well, I don't know why why, why they would. Buffalino's or where. always been connected to the Genovese crime family, right? Not the Columbo's. Right. Yeah, Joe that's Gallo a good point. The Columbo that's crime. right. I didn't even think about. Right. That's. Yeah. I don't. I don't think they would have yeah. overlapped at all. And it was. It just wasn't his concern. An interesting Detroit tie-in, and we're talking about uh, the Genovese and Fat Tony Salerno and the Palma Boys. Social club that in the I think the forty eight hours after Hoffa disappeared, uh, Jimmy Quasarano and Pete Bozzi Vitali were followed by an FBI surveillance unit from Detroit to New York, where they went to Palma Boy Social Club to meet with Tony Salerno, and ostensibly the the belief is they went to go fill him in on details of of what happened to yeah, Hoffa. Yeah, yeah. To the extent New York was involved, it, it was certainly the Genovese family. But what I'm saying is Vital and Quasarano went from Detroit. high ranking that... It'd have to be. Do you think it was that high ranking that uh, it would be... Yeah, two capos leave Detroit to go meet with Salerno yeah. a day or two where, after the hit. Where do you hold this in terms of Scorsese movies? I did a top 10, and I put it... I slotted it at 10. Maybe 5... It doesn't make it doesn't make my top ten gangster movies of all time. I think, but in the Scorsese uh, canon, I put it at but somewhere between eight and ten. Yeah, I mean, I, I probably rank it a little bit higher because, but um, I, I really Scorsese, I really his crime films is. Can you go pull it up. Pull. Tell me. Tell me. I'm not a big fan. Roberto, of you tell me what's. Fear. You tell me, Roberto. Your opinion. What's you better? Cape Fear. Oh yeah. So in that case, it's not my top five for sure because I like Cape Fear better. You got Cape Fear. You got. Uh... You have Goodfellas, Casino, and Main Streets. Raging Bull. Departed. Departed. Wolf of Wall Street. The Color of Money, Color which of I money. love. Uh, uh, taxi taxi driver, driver top five for sure. I mean, you looking at me? His most famous yeah. line ever is in Taxi Driver. How can you deny that's his uh, Scorsese's uh, top five? I mean, I, to me, the Holy Trinity is Casino, Goodfellas, and The Departed. Then Taxi Driver. I don't know what my five would be. Maybe Cape Fear. I don't know. I, I, I put mean, a list out, and I I got some grief, but I will stand no, by it. No, I had Wolf of, I had Wolf of Wall Street too, no, and I stand by no. that. I it love is, Wolf of Wall Street. That's no good. Way. Wolf of Wall Street is Goodfellas, just in the New York financial sector. Twenty years later, is Irishman better than Wolf of Wall Street? 
I think so. Not even close. Not even close. I don't like Wolf of Wall Street. Is an epic film. Wolf of Wall Street. You're saying Wolf of Wall Street is not epic? I don't. I don't think. I don't. I don't think it's epic. You're out of your mind. Wolf of Wall Street is his second best film. No, that is an unbelievable movie. I think Shutter Island is better than Wolf of Wall Street. Shutter Island's good. Shutter Island's really good. It is good. It is good. Thank you so much, and we will see you next time on the OG Podcast.